Welcome back <laughs> to. I'm not even gonna try. Episode 30. Not 30. Uh, maybe <laughs> no. 30, maybe 40. <laughs> I thought we were on 39. It don't matter. Who knows? You're here. You're here back with another episode. So that's all that matters. But uh, episode insert later, 30 something. Um, I don't know what it is. We should really put numbers on it, but. It's a struggle every time when me and Dylan have to, like, count it out mm-hmm. every time. But it's okay. It just adds to the process. But, uh, Dylan, how's your week? It's been amazing. I've had a great week. Busy. Yeah, it's been busy at work, so that's a good thing. And that's really, I mean, that's really much it. My week's been great, but pretty uneventful. I've been busy. Yeah. been moving every day. That's true. I found out that today I get to go to a Carrie Underwood concert. I'm very excited. Oh, did you, did you get invited to that? That's really cool. We get to meet her and everything. Awesome. I'm very excited. You and Lisa in the Perrys. I'm very excited. There's more people going than just that. But oh, really? Very excited. That's really cool. Don't mind the truck driving by that's so loud. <laughs> My word. A snapping turla. Uh. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I mean, my week's been pretty uneventful. That's pretty crazy. You're getting to go to Carrie Underwood. I know. I'm excited. I'm excited. What about you? Jesus, What about you? Oh, me. It's just been the same old, same old. It's the first week of, like, full classes. So, and I only have to go to class for my A&P class, which is anatomy and physiology for those people who do not know what A&P is. Um, that's actually a really cool class. And I'm also taking intro to wellness and intro to nutrition, and it's kind of all tying together. So that's actually, it, it makes it really fun, and I'm, I'm learning a lot, too. So uh, I have that on Mondays and Wednesdays, and besides that, just working. Working hard or hardly working. Both. Both. Yeah. And so whatever Dylan has going on in this day, nine times out of ten, I'm there with him. So. Except for tomorrow. <laughs> Except for tomorrow, right. And today. <laughs> yeah, today we did split a little bit, just because I had school and stuff. But uh, besides that... I mean, it's just been it's been a good week. Nothing to complain about. Just a lot of moving parts. Yeah. That I'm just going to get used to over time. But, uh, no, that's it. It's been great. Really good. But, uh, I guess we have nothing else. We're going to jump right in. We uh, covered the uh, first three, if I'm not mistaking, uh, woes last week in, uh, in the episode. And now we're going to try uh, to... We're going to at least hit the last four. And then... Um, Try to, if luck's on our side, make it through the end of the chapter so can, we can start at chapter 24 next week. And so uh, we're picking up verse 23 of chapter 23 with the fourth woe. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These ought... These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. So that is just, this is a really important uh, woe because it's called the chiasm, which just means it's like the the most important one or the center of all the woes. And so Jesus kind of just introduces uh, in the fourth woe that the Pharisees are neglecting the quote-unquote weightier matters of the law, specifically in this example, using tithes. And in the Mosaic law, they were required to give a tenth of all they produced to the work of the Lord. 
Um, and he gives it here, uh, mint, dill, I think it's cumin, if I'm pronouncing it right. And, that, you know, this all just represents what the Pharisees paid a tithe to. And, you know, these are the smallest garden crops that you can harvest. And Jesus is saying that they should do, they should do this without, but they're neglecting far more important matters. And they chose to tithe and mint um, and ignore justice and mercy, much, much more important matters. Well, think about it this way, you know. They're, he's basically talking about what they're giving to the Lord, kind of like what Jackson was talking about. And they're saying, yeah, I mean, you're you're giving something. You know, it may not be the best, but you're giving something. But you're forgetting about righteousness. You're forgetting about, you know, faithfulness and mercy and all these things. And and that makes me think of, you know, people that, that sit in a church building, Christians that... that that go to church, that doesn't mean that you're going to get into heaven. You know, at this point, Jesus is instructing all the Pharisees as to basically reasons why that they may not see the kingdom of heaven because of what they've done. And I've seen a lot of people that their Christian life revolves around the church building. And that's just not an effective way to serve Jesus. And let me explain myself a little bit. You know, you can go to church. You can give of your time, okay, to go and sit through a church service. Maybe you go Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. Great. But you're forgetting about the rest of the relationship that you should be having. You know, you're, you're focusing on the religion. And so, well, my, my religious leaders say that we're going to meet Three days a week. And I'm going to be there. And I'm going to give him my time. I may toss some stuff in the offering plate. That's not what a Christian life is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not doing anything outside of the building for Christ, you, you're not doing it. You're missing what you're supposed to be doing. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Like, you know, you give to the Lord, but you're not righteous. You don't show mercy. You don't have faith in me. And that's what we have to understand as Christians. And I'm saying... You know, the woes are not just meant to be taken for the audience at for the Pharisees. It, this is this is advice for, for us as Christians, and it's warnings for non-Christians. Warnings of what not to do. And so as Christians, we'll, we'll look at it from that perspective. You know, there's more to do than just sitting in the church building. Mm-hmm. There's something for anyone to do. There's something, there's moving parts, there's there's something that you're talented at, and if you don't think so, keep trying something, and God's going to show you your talent, that you can do for God, that show righteousness, that show mercy, that show your faith, and other things that I'm forgetting about, that show your love, that shows Jesus' love. And that's what he's telling the Pharisees here, hey, you're doing good, you're giving to the Lord, that's what you're commanded to do, but you're not doing anything else. So if you act like a different person on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and then decide to put on your holy self on Sundays and Wednesdays and give a little and give of your means, you, you, you miss the point. I mean, I, I know people like this. There, there's people like this everywhere that have just not understood fully what it is to be a Christian. You know, and I experienced, I've talked about my past a little bit, you know, I experienced that 
where you're just like, oh, wait, I totally misunderstood what I'm supposed to be doing here. Yeah. You know, and it is important. It's com- we're commanded to worship together. Right? That's You need to be there. Every time the doors are open, you need to make an effort to be there. But the advice here that I'm going to see or that I'm going to take for non-Christians is make sure you understand what a relationship with Jesus looks like and not just a religion. And that's what that, that's what I see. We see advice here for Christians of what not to do. We see an advice here that, you know, don't just be somebody who um, does half the law but doesn't carry out the rest. Have a yarn. It's gone. So, but for non-Christians, it's, it's just, hey, make sure you understand, make sure you study, and make sure you know what your relationship with Jesus looks like. Because, you know, me and Jackson go to the same church. Our religion is the same. Our relationship is not the same. Mm-hmm. My relationship with Jesus looks different than his. And that's what we have to understand. Don't just become a Christian and then be a church setter. Because you don't have a relationship with Jesus at that point. Yeah. Because you're not exercising your talents in order to serve him every other day of the week. You know, in, in my in my opinion, and this I make sure I say that before I say this. You know, church is a place to to gain information, to learn, and and and, and we don't have, we have limited time, so sometimes we may graze the surface, dig into it deeper after it's over. But it's a place for us to learn. It's a place for us to be built up. It's a place for us to be encouraged and be around our church family. But there's more work to be done besides that. When you exit the doors of the building, well, that's when your game face needs to go on because now, what am I going to do with what I learned? And so that, that's what I take from that. And then if you, if you move into to verse um, 25, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean out the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You are the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. And Dylan touched a lot on this on his comments earlier about how Jesus is bringing up that these men are only caring about their outward appearances, their their outward religious look or piety and, and they're really ignoring what is uh, is happening on the inside. You know, they're so focused on being pious and, and being external purity that they were and Jesus calls them right there that they were blind to uh, uh, to the internal conditions of the heart. And it's the same thing that Dylan's saying now that, you know, in church, do more. Uh, you can't just go to church and and uh sit there and listen and then leave and act like a totally different person you have to be to be a christian you need to go through the full change and wanting to spread the gospel wanting to to show god's love and and it doesn't just stop as soon as you exit the church doors it continues on throughout your whole day and that's just what jesus is saying here in the fifth book that you know these men only cared about the outward appearance and never did anything else on the inside you know being a christian it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. I was talking to somebody today about, in my opinion, what a relationship with Jesus looks like. And, you know, don't go to church because you want to be seen at church. Don't serve God because you want to be seen serving God. That, that's not what it's about. You know, but if you, church is a very, and I'll just use worship for an example. You know, it's not our preacher's job to entertain you. It's not the singing service. It's not their responsibility, whoever's picking out the song, to entertain you. That's not what it's about. You know, I believe that, that worship is a very 
personal act and you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. And if you don't like the way somebody led singing, well, at least they're up there trying. Or if you don't like the message, well, you know, maybe I just didn't think about it the way I should have. Or maybe I didn't, you know, whatever. Maybe somebody else, to them it was the best sermon they ever heard. To them it was the best singing they've ever heard. Or, or whatever. But what I see here is, especially in the fifth, in the, and the, the fourth and fifth, they kind of bleed over into each other, just like what Jackson was saying. But it's it's a big deal what your intentions are. You know, we are called to serve God with pure intentions. We're called to 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 see the best in people. We're called to see the best of situations. And Jesus is saying here in this well, you know, don't worry about what don't or don't just clean your outward self to make it look like you're putting on a show. You know, if I have a glass, and, and what he's using here is a glass, and, and this is a perfect example because, you know, take this for an example. When you go buy a cup at the grocery store, do you wash it before you put something in it? Yeah. Why? Because it's dirty. It's dirty. It looks clean, like, in, like a Yeti cup, a stainless steel on the inside. It looks shiny. It looks beautiful. It's not clean. Yeah. You know how many hands have touched that or how much dust is on the inside where it's been sitting in the store? You don't know. And that's what a lot of people want. You know, they, they, you see this picture of this cup or you see a picture of, or you see a person and outside they, it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. And maybe even inside from a, from a distance it, it looks great. But it's not. Mm-hmm. Because we're, we're more focused on our outward appearance versus what's on the inside. And Jesus is trying to make us steer clear of that and say, you need to have pure intentions. You need to be beautiful inside and out. And you need to be more focused on the inside than the outward appearance. And, and that's, that's a big deal because, like I said, we, we see the outside and that's it. And so we want to present ourselves. We want to make it seem like we're the best. And inside, you may be as cold as ice towards Christ. That rhyme, that was oh, cool. my goodness. <laughs> I mean, but you, you Seriously, you may be totally gone. But nobody knows. Well, unfortunately, not well for, I'll say, I won't say unfortunately, I'll say fortunately, the most important person in the world knows. Mm -hmm. Jesus can look at a person and say, yeah, they're on fire. Their outward appearance, they're on fire. Everybody knows it. Their inward appearance, they're on fire. But inside, they don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so it's so important to... To focus on your intentions, to focus on your heart. You know, there's an old, 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 old song called in the the songbooks that we use at church called Is Your Heart Right with God? And I love the lyrics of that song because it doesn't talk about anything but your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your heart look like? Do you have good intentions? Do you love people? Are you serving Jesus for the right reason? You know, and that's what he's saying is, is, hey, you guys care so much about people watching you pray in the street, making sure people are watching you tithe of your things, all these things. You're so obsessed talking about the Pharisees, so obsessed with everybody seeing you and, and seeing you talking to, to me, Jesus. And you, they just want their follower or the people that, that know them, they want them to think they got it all together. Physically and spiritually. And Jesus is saying, no. No, 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 no. 
you know, work on your heart because your heart's hard as a rock. The outside's all right, but your heart is nowhere near the right intention. And that's what he's saying, work on. Focus on the inside. Focus on what I can see. And if you can do that, not being perfect, we're not going to be perfect, but learning from your mistakes, admitting when you're wrong, all these things, and just saying, oh, okay, I want to fix that. Then fix it. Your intentions are pure. Okay, but if you're doing something continually over and over and over, knowing that you shouldn't do it, but on the outside making yourself look white as snow, we can't fool Jesus. We can't. And there's a lot of people that try. There's a lot of people with bad intentions serving Christ. And we don't know when that's happening. But again, like I said before, the most important person in the world does. Mm -hmm. He knows it. And on the day of judgment, we'll know it. And we're either going to be really excited or really bad because it's not going to be your outward appearance that's judged. Jesus don't care what I look like. He don't. I care a whole lot. But he doesn't. He cares about what my heart looks like. And because we can't see that, we're not necessarily focused on it. But he is. And that's what we should work for every day is not for our physical appearance, not for what other people think, but our heart. You know, where's our intentions at? Why do we do what we do? And that, if you can figure that out, your entire relationship with God kind of flourishes around flourish flourishes flourishes around it. And so that's what he's really saying here. And then we can continue on in, in verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like a whitewashed tomb, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly are appearing righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. This is very closely related to the fifth one with just a different illustration. You know, the Pharisees were like tombs. And and in Jesus' day, tombs were very dressed up and beautiful, but within held nothing but death and decay. And then it's the same exact principle, if you would be, uh, of, you know, what's inside is what matters. You know, we could appear beautiful on the outside, but if we're nothing but death and decay on the inside, then what's the point? Well, I see it a little bit differently than that. Because in, in 25, I see, you know, you yourself are trying to appear clean, but you're not. Mm-hmm. But in 26, or no, excuse me, in 27, now it shows you the result of what you're doing. Yeah. That, that's the way I see it. Because let's just put this into perspective. You know, I wear my heart on my sleeves, my feelings on my sleeves. You're going to know how I feel. But if I were to get in a car accident and kill somebody and it was an accident but I still did it I, I don't know how I could lay my head down at night because that's just that's just me even if I truly I mean truly it was an accident I, I don't know what I don't know what I would do because I, I don't know if I could live with the guilt so we see in, in 25 we see you know Right now, we're talking about you. We're talking about your heart. We're talking about how you feel. But in 27, now it's you're full of dead man's bones. And to me, that shows 
you know, if you're if you're if you're trying to be a Christian example, but your heart isn't pure, and you're trying to teach them by example, but you're not the example that you're supposed to be, you're teaching them wrong. Yeah. And the Pharisees were teaching so many people wrong. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I use the, like the you know the car wreck illustration or. If for some reason I made a mistake and somebody died, you know, I watch Grey's Anatomy and sometimes the surgeons make mistakes yeah. and people die. I couldn't, I could not live with that. I couldn't. And it happens. I mean, in real life, not just the show, it happens. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. I couldn't lay my head down at night. But it's an accident. You don't, you don't intend to do that. The Pharisees weren't intending necessarily to teach somebody wrong, but they were. And that person's soul could be condemned because of it. Right. So that should show you how important it is to be pure inside and out, especially when you're trying to bring somebody else to Christ. Because if you teach them wrong, and then they live wrong, and then they die and unfortunately don't make it to heaven because of what you said, mm-hmm. oh, I'm full of dead man's bones. Yeah. And that, 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 that to me, it, it's the same, but it's not. Because it's showing you, you know, let's not just talk about you personally let's talk about all these people that you've led astray because of what you're doing yeah and you know that's what's that's why you know we talk about being a stumbling block as christians we talk about all these things that's why to me the the words stumbling block scare me to death mm-hmm. because sometimes you don't even know if you've done something to, to be a stumbling block and what if that person's condemned because of what you did mm-hmm and that just shows you how important it is to live right, to be pure, to, to have a good relationship with Christ because, you know, we're not perfect. But if we're teaching people with pure intention, then we're going to teach them the right way because we want them to know. And the Pharisees weren't doing that. They were teaching them their ways, not God's way. And we have to, we have to watch ourselves because, I, and, and, you know, and again, it's not like we do some, some things on purpose, but as Christians... The warning that I see here is don't teach somebody what you do. Teach somebody what Jesus did. Yeah. And then teach them the way Jesus would have us intended. Don't teach them Dylan's word. Don't teach them Jackson's word. Teach them God's word. Yeah. So that way you don't have to worry about it. That way you know with a hundred you know, I taught them right. I did the best that I could. And the Pharisees couldn't say that. Because they had been teaching so many people wrong and so Jesus is saying, well, you're not only um, teaching yourselves wrong and, and acting wrong yourself, but you're full of dead man's bones. There's so many people that have been led astray because of you and because of your mouth. That's, does that not scare you a little bit? That scares me because it shows you how important this is. Yeah. It shows you how important it is that you conduct yourself. Oh, yeah. No, that's perfect. No. And then we're going to get into the, the last woe. Uh, the seventh one, starting verse 29. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monu- uh, monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our father, we would not have taken part with them shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourself that you are sons of those who murder the prophets. Fill up the, then the measure of your fathers, uh, you, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? There, I'm going to just make sure I don't go too far. Yep, right there. Starting in 29 going to 33 is the seventh woe. And Jesus is just saying that they are following that they're in their ancestors' footsteps. 
and plotting to kill kill them. They he all the prophets and everyone that's came before him, they have already killed and persecuted, and he is saying that the ancestors have done the same here. But at the heart of this woe is these men couldn't see themselves honestly, so they couldn't see their need for Jesus either. They were blinded by their own predicament, so they wouldn't acknowledge Jesus' call to repent and believe, and they've done that many other times throughout all of the Bible with all the other prophets, and they're continuing to, to do the same with Jesus. It's like the, the parable of the, the vineyard owner who kept sending people and servants, and they got killed by the tenants, and then he sent his son, and he was also killed. And it's the same premises that they've, they've done this over and over again and that this isn't new, and they're just following in their footsteps. And... Well, you know, you said something there um, that sparked my interest. And it, they missed the point and they missed the teachings of how much they needed Jesus. And I think we talked about this in a podcast before. Um, but people don't understand the need for Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think that you can go through your life without Jesus give it a shot and let me know how it goes you know because from and honestly from my perspective I couldn't go through my day to day life without Jesus and yeah I use him as a crutch because we have to have it we can't walk on our own you know you you think about so let's just take this for example you know somebody who's just had knee surgery And, and I think about my dad he had Whenever I was, I don't know, like 7th grade, 6th, 7th grade, he um, fell out of the back of a truck and tore his MCL, ACL, and his meniscus all at once. Tore them all. And had to have surgery. Well, he was on crutches for like weeks after that. And he, of course, my dad, you have to know him, don't how stubborn he is, probably where I get it from. But he was convinced, you know, the doctor said, you know, I think it was like 11 or 12 weeks, you're going to be on crutches for 11 or 12 weeks. Which I've been on crutches for two weeks before, miserable. <laughs> Tell me three months I'm going to have to put up with these things. No way. Yeah. Like, I would, my arms were just stayed, like, red all the time. Yeah. Because of how much it hurt. And so they told him 12 weeks, and he said, I'll be off of them in seven. And so I remember him trying to walk in, like, the hallway of our house from my bedroom to his bedroom. That was his where he was trying to walk on his leg. And he would make it from my bedroom halfway down the hallway and then had to have his crutches again because he just couldn't do it. Yeah. And that's the way it is in our lives that we, some people just don't see the need for Jesus. And it's the same way. You can walk on your own for a little bit, but eventually you're going to fall and wonder why I've fallen. It's because of the crutch that you have to have in your life. You, you don't think you need it, you know, and you can walk, you can force yourself But you're going to cause even more damage by not leaning on the Savior of the world. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening here. You know, they missed the teaching. They didn't understand. And so by trying to live more righteously, they're digging themselves into a deeper hole. Because the one person that can make them righteous, they don't listen to his teachings. And that's why it's so important to understand that we we can't make it through life by ourselves. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. And there's a reason why. 
because we are dependent on our Father. We are dependent on Christ. And again, you can say all you want that your life is going great without it, but it's not. Because you're walking, but you're struggling, but you have nobody to lean on, you don't have the crutch, and you're doing more damage to yourself by continuing to go on without the one person that can make you feel whole. And they're missing all of this. I mean, guys, I'm telling you, you can't make it through life without Jesus. You just can't. And I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about a pure, true relationship with Christ. Talking to him, you know, in prayer. Inviting him into your life. Sharing your struggles with him. Asking him for advice. All these things that people feel like they're not necessary. They are. You, You can't make it. You just can't. And like I said, you may feel like you are, but you're not. Because you don't have the one person that can give you the gift of eternal life. You know, I don't, my expiration date, whenever I'm gone, I don't want to be finished. I don't want to live here anymore. But I don't want to be done. Nobody wants that. I want to continue living and, and be in heaven and see people that I've not seen and, and just and be happy. That's what I want, happiness. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to give that to you. Here it is. It's all yours. But some people just say, nah, yeah. I'm good. I'm, I'm going to pass. You know, if somebody spent their life building me something, building me a house, then it's a no-brainer not to take it. And that's what Jesus is doing. Mm-hmm. He prepared a place for us and said, if, if you'll invite me into your life, if you'll have a relationship with me, then I'm going to give you a lot of things. And some people just say, nah, I'm past. No, you're not. Because we need it. We have to have it. And so that's what the Pharisees are missing. They just miss this, this idea that we need Christ. You know, I'm a big boy. I'm a man. I feel like I can handle myself. But I can't without Christ. You know, there's nobody that can get through life without Christ. We need Jesus. And he wants us. That's the thing, too. Whether you've, you need something and maybe or need a person you feel like in your life and that person doesn't want you, it's heartbreaking. But we need Christ, and Christ is saying, I want you. I want you to be there. I, I, I'm here for you. I want to be here for you. And we have to understand that we have to look back and say, okay, I know you're here. Here's how you can help. We have to do that. Jesus is not going to force himself on us, but we have to understand the need that we have to have him. So I'll let you finish the chapter there. But Well, um, before we go on, I just wanted to summarize the woes real quick, just so everybody knows what we've talked about. And first woe is believing a gospel of their own works. You know, the second one was promoting the, their own religion. The third one was using religious rituals, their personal gain, and cleaning your outward appearance. The fourth one is about the selective obedience to God's word. The fifth one is the cleanliness of the inside instead of the out. Six is making others unrighteous through ourselves. And then seven, believing themselves as righteous. And you see, the fourth one is the chiasm I kind of talked about earlier. And, you know, this kind of is the main point of all the woes. And and this is against the Pharisees' selective obedience to the word. And that just means they chose 
something to be more weightier instead of the other. And saying then once we start picking and choosing what we want to follow in God's word, that's where you know that's why it's this is a core issue that leads to all the other woes in the in the list. You know, it's a it's it this points to the center because it it's how you approach the word of God will return will determine how you live and how you obey and how you will go out through the rest of your days being both inwardly clean and outwardly clean and caring about others. And then to kind of close the chapter, it's going to be uh, starting in verse 34 through the end. Uh, Therefore I send to you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on so that on you may come all the righteous blood of bloodshed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of uh, Berechiah, whom you uh, murdered between the sanctuary and uh, the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon you in this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her food under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not... Uh, see me again until you say, "Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." And in verses thirty-four through thirty-six is kind of just a footnote from the seventh woe, and he Jesus is just adding, saying he will confirm their hypocrisy. He said that many times, and their unrighteousness by continuing to give them more prophets, and that's the disciples on whom they're going to do the exact same thing to all the ones before Jesus and all the and to Jesus and the ones after. And in 37, the passage ends the same way as it did in Matthew 12. And in Matthew 12, in that moment, is when Israel officially, if you want to call it, rejected Jesus as the Messiah. And in response to their rejection, uh, Jesus pronounced judgment on that generation using these same words we just read here. And after this moment, Jesus will not teach or address the people of Israel publicly again. Uh, but he's not done teaching. Uh, through the rest of the book and through the rest of the chapters, uh, we're going to see in the next 36 hours, really, um, how he's going to continue teaching the disciples some really important lessons before his death. Yeah, that's all we so, got for you. That's the seven woes. That's chapter 23, seven woes. So, hope you have a great week, and we will be back with you next week. Hello.